Well, good to see all of you, and man, what a blessing to hear this uh, this beautiful string quartet up here, along with uh, first pianist, Gloria, over. We certainly bring greetings to Gordon and Carol, who I'm sure are watching this morning from North Carolina, up in Charlotte, and uh, we miss you and look forward to you being back, but in the meantime, you've left us in good hands, and we appreciate you so very much for that. Also... I want to say hello to my mama, who is in the hospital, Mission Hospital in Asheville, recovering from what was supposed to be just a simple outpatient procedure on Wednesday, but due to complications, she's still there, but getting better. And then, of course, we all stand in solidarity today with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the Ukraine. And I just want you to know that my prayers are that God, by his mighty power, will frustrate, confuse, and otherwise obstruct the plans of the Russian dictator Vladimir Putin, who has chosen to relegate himself to the historical junk heap that contains the likes of Hitler and Stalin. That's what will come of that, sir. And I think about the Presbyterian pastor who was determined to make his way to the church building, if it was still standing in Kiev today, to preach and to lead in worship, if he was able to make it. May God bless that we might take into consideration whatever excuses we use not to come to church on a given Sunday when bombs are not falling and bullets are not flying. That God would grant us that same spirit of determination and faith that we may realize this world is not our home and how grateful we are for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles or otherwise give your attention to the reading of God's Word found in Joshua chapter 23. We go now is our theme that we've been sounding throughout this series. And next Sunday will be our last Sunday in this book as we consider together this this time in which the people of God came to enter and occupy the land of promise. How that God, through the transition of leadership between jo- from Moses to Joshua, and then now as Joshua begins to transition out, as he is along in years, will be moving on and God's people will enter a new phase. Yet the Lord remains on the throne. And so, the series is We Go Now. It is time for us to go, to do that which God has called us to do. The time is urgent, and God's warning is clear. So let's read together. Joshua chapter 23, beginning with verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I am now old and well advanced in years, and you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes and those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I have already cut off, from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight. 
and you shall possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or Make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts up to flight a thousand. Since it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Just as he promised you, be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish. From off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. And now, I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you. And you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. So may the Lord bless this reading of his word. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. This is the word which by the gospel is preached to you. Amen. And so I'm thankful for warnings. I'm thankful that when I was growing up, people pointed out things to me like copperheads and rattlesnakes and told me to stay clear of them, or at least the business end of them. I'm thankful that I learned how to be on the lookout for things like yellow jackets' nests and hornets' nests, which I came to fear much more than copperheads or rattlesnakes. I never will forget when I was using the sickle mower on the tractor, when I was cutting from under the fence row between my papa's place and Uncle Lawrence Winchester's, that just as I glanced back, I saw the sickle mower come under a pretty good sapling that had a hornet's nest about that large in it, and as the sickle was doing its thing, that nest was shaking And I'm thankful that I had learned how to engage that tractor's gears in a way that got me out of there quickly. (laughs) Otherwise, I was ready to jump out of the seat and leave that thing behind. On any given day, I would much rather encounter a rattlesnake on a trail in the woods than a hornet's nest. Warnings are useful things because they help us be on the lookout for real danger and consequences to decisions if we make them without regard to those warnings. And what we have in God's word, among other things, are warnings throughout this book that God lovingly gives us. 
The people who told me about those threats that I might face in the woods or in the pasture told me those things because they were concerned about me. They didn't, they didn't tell me to be on the lookout for hornet's nest because there was something diabolically wrong with them and their spirit. No, they, they told me about those things because there's real danger. And so God lovingly gives warnings, and I hope that we would realize that. Now, I know sometimes we can be driving along the highway and we'll see signs up that says, you know, repent, the end is near. Or, as I saw on one sign years ago, turn or burn. We don't always know the motives that people have for putting up things like that. But nevertheless, God gives us warnings because he loves us and he cares about us. And so when we come to the book of Joshua, we find a leader who is transitioning from his place of leadership, Joshua, who has faithfully led the people of God through their exploits in the land of promise, now is along in years, and he wants to give them some final words. Now, his final sermon is what we will consider next week. But in the meantime, we have something of a final warning here. And among other things that we can discern from this chapter are at least three things. First of all, the passing of time will never diminish the significance of God's work. Even though it has been millennia since God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and brought them through the wilderness and into the promised land, the glorious work that he accomplished to get them there is not diminished with the passing of time. And even though skeptics have arisen that have caused us to question or doubt or be skeptics ourselves concerning the things of God's word, that doesn't diminish at all what God did in those days. And if we love him, and if we are thankful for him and for our Lord Jesus Christ, we realize that all of these things happen just as God's word declares that they did. And so, we are thankful that these things really did happen. And so, whether you choose to believe that they actually happen or not, doesn't diminish their truthfulness whatsoever. You know? It's, uh, it, it's sort of like... Uh, when you're driving down the, the highway in the mountains and you may encounter a sign, which people have seen through the years, as I've mentioned before, watch for falling rocks. You can choose to ignore that. And you might even choose, see a rock that is falling towards you from up high, coming down toward the road. And you might choose to say, well, I just simply think that rock doesn't exist. I choose to believe that's not happening right now. Well... Whatever may be at the source of that statement, good or bad, will have no effect on that rock whatsoever. Your opinion concerning God's redemptive work in the Old Testament and the New, whether you approve or whether you think it actually happened or not, will not dissipate its reality in the least. We can choose to reject God's word, and we can choose to reject the truth concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, but that will not prevent you from standing before God on the judgment day and giving an account for your life if you have rejected the Lord Jesus. It will not diminish God's plan whatsoever. He is not in heaven right now frustrated because there are so many people who fail to believe in him. He is not wringing his hands. So the work that he's accomplished is not diminished in any way with the passing of time or by our own unbelief. In verse 9, I'm sorry, in verse 3 of chapter 23, we read, 
And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. God has done a great thing in establishing his people there. And Joshua rehearses in their hearing just exactly what the Lord has done. We see it also in verse 9 in our scripture passage. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. It's good to remember that God has been faithful. It's good to remember and recall in our own lives the experiences that we've had with the Lord in the past. And realize that those past experiences have a present ongoing reality and importance in our lives. If you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ years ago, I can tell you here and now that that has an ongoing present Reality and importance that the passing of time cannot diminish. And we can all be thankful for that. Over in Acts chapter 20, verses 18 through 21, where the Apostle Paul has gathered together the elders of the church in Ephesus to say some parting words to them. He reminds them that he says, and when they came to him, Paul said to them, here's what he said, you yourselves know. How I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he doing there? He's reminding them. Of the work that has been done among them. That as they recall that to mind, they will live by faith in the present and continue to persevere into the future. That's why we need to know our Bibles. We need to be aware of what God has done through the ages in his faithfulness toward his people. Even when there's been discipline involved. You know, on uh, Wednesday afternoons, we we have a Bible study with uh, some guys from the... Peoria, Illinois area. Our, our pastor lovingly refers to them as the Peoria Mafia. And, uh, you know, I dare not miss those meetings when I'm here, since it's a mafia after all. But we've been, uh, as of late, we've been reading through the book of Jeremiah and considering it. And, you know, there's hard stuff in Jeremiah. I mean, it's, it's just tough. It, there's tough news to face there as God's people have reached the place in Jeremiah because of their rebellion and rejection of him that they experience the consequences of that rejection. And, and it's hard. But still, it's, it's God's word. And we realize that there are lessons from those past declarations and experiences that are relevant in our own situation. That if we choose as a culture to reject the things of God and veer away from his clear teaching in his word, there will be consequences for that in our lives personally and in our culture collectively and particularly within the church as that is where the real application lies. How that in the church we must be faithful to the true worship of the one true and living God and not reject him. We need to look to the past and realize that God's work is significant and that we will be recalling it in eternity. The Lord worked wonders to rescue his people. He's worked wonders to rescue you. If you know the Lord Jesus today, you're a walking miracle because God, by his grace, has effected in you a new birth. You've been born again. 
And the evidence of that new birth is that you've trusted in Jesus. Otherwise, you wouldn't have come close to faith in Christ. But you are a walking testimony of God's faithfulness in our generation. Not just to past acts of redemption. Secondly, the passing of time will never diminish the importance of God's word. We uh, see that, and you've got verse 14 there in your outline, but I would also just point out verse 6 to you before we get to that. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. There you go. That says it, doesn't it? There's no progressive revelation here, that an idea that has been adopted in many churches today, churches so-called, the idea that, that we can move on from a lot of the things that are in the Bible because God is working in a different way in our own culture. And so the morality of the past is not necessarily necessarily relevant to our present situation. Chuck Swindoll used to say that there is a, uh, there is a, a technical Greek word for such notions. Hogwash. God's word is relevant and true throughout all generations. And Joshua doesn't tell them, say, all right, now Moses told you some things back then, but now we've reached a different point in our time and culture, and so you can just, you know, be a little looser in your practice. No, God's word is important and true. The passing of time does not diminish it. Verse 14, and now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. What an extraordinary statement. Can you imagine a president giving a State of the Union address or a farewell message to the country at the end of his presidential term and say, not one promise that I uttered in the campaign has failed. We can imagine it, yeah. But it wouldn't be true, would it? it? Hadn't happened. Never happened. But God can say it. God can say everything that I promised has come to pass just as I said that it would. And so you have to ask yourself today, who are you trusting in? Professors? Politicians? Social media influencers? They all sound good, don't they? They look like they know what they're talking about until they die. And many of them will find that their theology will change in about 0.2 seconds after they breathe their last breath. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You have established the earth and it stands fast. Psalm 119, 89-90. Think about that. God's word forever Fixed, established, anchored in the heavens. We've all seen those bumper stickers. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Now, there's a certain confidence in that, but I would suggest to you that those stickers would be truer if they simply said, God said it. That settles it. Now, it's good for you and me if we believe it. But we won't diminish its truthfulness in the slightest if we reject it. We are the ones who will be diminished. Do you get what I'm saying? 
And then the third thing, the passing of time will never diminish the relevance of God's warnings. And they are aplenty. We see that in verses 11 and 13 in our passage, among other places. Um, Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. And then verse 12, for if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord your God has given you. Now, as they did the very things that God told them not to do, the very things that God said would happen to them, happened to them. Nobody at any point in their disobedience could say to the Lord, we didn't know. No one will ever be able to say to him, now or on the judgment day, Lord, we didn't know. Because his warnings have been communicated clearly to us. We see it also in verses 15 through 16. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. And verse 16 on also. But we see it in the New Testament. Because there are a lot of people who will say, well, that's the way God worked in the Old Testament. Or, Pastor, that's Old Testament. I'm a New Testament Christian. Listen, if you're a Christian, you need to be a person of the book, Old and New Testament. Paul tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. All of it, from Genesis through Revelation, we don't have the option of picking and choosing the books that are suitable for our own context. It's all God's Word. And so, in Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 9, for example... The Lord Jesus says unequivocally, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. There are few things in this world that make me shudder more than to hear the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, tell me that there is something that cannot be forgiven. Because my whole life is banked on the assurance of God's forgiveness. That my sins are forgiven in the Lord Jesus Christ. That I have yielded my life to Him in repentance and faith. But to think that one would blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that one would ultimately reject that which the Spirit Himself reveals... That in rejecting the Son of God himself, rejecting the Word of God that the Holy Spirit has inspired, by blaspheming the Spirit, we consign ourselves to an eternity of wrath. I don't know what scares you. There are a lot of things that can scare you. Driving on Tamiami Trail is frightening. Try it on a motorcycle sometimes. Just helps remind me whether I still have faith or not. Just getting out there among the traffic and saying, Lord, you, you truly are all that's standing between me and eternity. But something that's frightening to consider, that we would take the holy word of God and reject it and fling it back in God's face and blaspheme the spirit who has inspired it, 
and go to eternity without forgiveness. I cannot for the life of me think of anything more frightening than that. But thanks be to God that the Lord Jesus Christ has warned us. He has warned us so that we don't have to go down that path, that we might yield to him and say, no, Lord, I believe and I trust in you. And, of course, John in the Revelation at the, at the last chapter of the Bible warns us. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. I'm not going to read all those plagues. I just refer you to them. You don't want that to happen to you. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Warnings. Now, again, you can rationalize that away, as many do, and say, well, that's just the ranting of a backwoods Bible-thumping preacher. I grew up spending a lot of time in the backwoods. There's no question. And I'm up here and I've got a Bible. I'll even thump it for you. I did not write one word in this book. I am not making this up. I am simply trying to read and report to you faithfully what God has lovingly imparted to us. For our benefit. And for our sakes, God has given the Lord Jesus Christ because he loves you. He has warned us in the scriptures to trust in the Lord Jesus. He's warned us that if we reject the Lord Jesus, there will not be forgiveness. He's warned us because he loves us. And so today, we are able to come and to consider what happened long ago under the leadership of Joshua and realize that People come and go, circumstances change, but God's word stands forever. And that the Lord Jesus Christ remains now as he has the Savior of sinners. I've already made reference to it, but, you know, we can be thankful that we're meeting here. That literally the bombs are not falling outside, that missiles are not hurtling in the buildings, and bullets are not being fired at us. Our children's hospitals are not being attacked by a nefarious enemy this morning, even though it's happening in the Ukraine. But we also know that those things and much worse could befall us. And if they don't, and I pray they don't, even so, death will come. I pray it's peacefully for you. I prayed more than once God would take me in my sleep. I don't have the option of choosing the way that he's going to take me, but I can ask. Even so, the end will come. And I'm thankful that God has graciously revealed to us these matters of life and death so that we may confidently face the end. I can well remember taking the hand of a World War II veteran who had been through that horrendous battle of Iwo Jima as he was a part of the 5th Marine Division, who had gone ashore at Red Beach at zero hour, and he saw more horrendous things than I can even begin to describe. He shared things with me, and he told me, he said, please don't ever tell my family. 
And as I took his hand, as he was beginning to breathe his last, and I said, um, Grady, let me pray. He looked at me and he said, don't you pray that I'll be healed. He said, I'm going to heaven. And I'm ready to go. I wanted to say, way to go, Marine. Hoorah. The end will come for each of us because the Bible has said it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. God didn't mince words. He's told us clearly. Know today that the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. That you can confidently say at the end, whether it's today or years from now, I'm ready. We go now. May God bless you to have that confidence in Jesus. Now and always. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the great and mighty one. And we ask you, O Lord, in this place of peace today, that you may grant to us grace, that there may truly be peace in our hearts with you through Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. Lord, we pray that peace will come to those places in the world now being ravaged by war and terrorism and violence of every kind. Our hearts are broken as we think of children and men and women of every age and walk of life having to face the horrors of a depraved and wicked humanity. Oh, Father, open our eyes to the glory and majesty of Jesus that we may flee to the one who is our refuge that we may find ourselves hidden in the cleft of the rock, that we may trust in Christ alone, that we may be the church in this world, that, Father, whatever opposition or persecution may arise, may we be faithful to follow your word that is not diminished in the slightest by the passing of time. Neither is your glory diminished just because men would selfishly and sinfully turn away from you. Grant that we may live every day for your glory and long for the moment that we will see you in glory. For Jesus' sake, amen. As we conclude, I invite you to take your song sheets or otherwise look to the screens. We're going to sing Trust and Obey, and we're going to sing the first fourth and fifth stanzas. So we're not going to sing everything that's there on your pages, but we're going to sing stanzas one, four, and five. Let's stand as we do it, as we worship the Lord.
mention to you in closing, if you're intimidating by registering online for that upcoming conference that will be held here on the 18th, just let us know you're planning to come. You can call the office or speak to me or just let us know. We'll make sure that you have a reservation and we'll worry about the $15 later. But I know some people have had trouble registering and I don't want that to be an impediment to you. So please let us know if you plan to come and we'll make sure there's a chair here for you. Westminster Seminary didn't give me the authority to say that. I just did. In the meantime, may the Lord bless you. Receive his benediction as we think about those today who long for peace. May you know the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. And so may grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.